You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Forefront, let's get to it. Ready. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, this is a really popular passage. In fact, this message is going to be a part one. We've asked our preaching boot camp folks, uh, yeah, we have a preaching boot camp, to preach five-minute messages on this. So in the coming weeks, you're going to see little five-minute clips uh, about thoughts on this passage, around this passage. It's up for a lot of interpretation. It's a really popular passage, right? And so the question I have to ask is, how many of you have used this passage? How many of you have said, do not judge? Jesus does not judge. How many of you have said, um, hey, you who is without sin cast the first stone? We like, we like sort of like the big judgment passages. We love them. They protect us. Now, why is it that they protect us? I'm going to tell you why they protect us. I'm going to tell you why most likely a lot of us listening right now have actually used this passage. In fact, we've used this passage so many times that we use it in the King's English. We say, judge not lest ye be judged. And we never talk like that at any other time, but this time we do. And the reason is, is because most of us listening right now have been judged. We've been judged terribly. I mean, the stories that I hear, the stories that we hear are heartbreaking. You know, people who aren't able to lead worship or teach or even like work in kids stuff because they've been told that their identity makes them less than. You know, there are people who I know who have tried to hold churches accountable for, for, you know, assault and patriarchy and for not being affirming and for not talking about white supremacy and racism, and they've been judged for it. I know that there are people who have just had questions, and your questions have brought about judgment. I, I know that you're out there. So there's some of you who haven't even been able to take communion, one of the most beautiful and holy things we can do. And for that, I'm sorry. We've been judged. This passage about judgment is kind of like an armor to us. We use it because we have been hurt. And most often we've been hurt by church people. Most often we've been hurt by so-called Christian people. And so when they say to us, hey, I'm judging you about your identity or about you questioning or about your deconstruction or reconstruction, we say, hey, judge not lest ye be judged. And then sometimes we take it a step further. We say, Jesus never judged, right? We, we, we do that. And I want you to know that, that you're in a safe place. As we talk about judgment today, you are in a safe place where you are, you are safe to deconstruct and reconstruct, safe to have your, question, your questions, safe to live out your identity, safe to bring up accountability in our church, accountability around assault and patriarchy and white supremacy and everything else. You are safe to do that at our church. So while we talk about judgment, know you are safe. Know this is a safe space for you, okay? Not just a welcoming space, an affirming space for you, okay? All right, that being said, I judge other people, and I judge all the time. And frankly speaking, it's not a bad thing, okay? A couple weeks ago, what happened at the Capitol, I judged judged those folks, okay? At best, they're misguided, afraid, fearful. At worst, they're treasonous. I'm I'm making judgments upon them, okay? I don't think what they did was a good thing. I make judgments upon other churches. I'll be honest, I, I... 
I absolutely do. If another church is not inclusive and affirming, I, I, I judge that church. I'm judging them, for sure. I'm judging their leadership. When other churches are afraid to create safe space or tackle issues, I'm judging that church. I believe that they're putting maybe, you know, tithes and, and, and members above uh, the gospel message. That's, I'm, I'm judging that, okay? I'll be honest. And if I'm being honest, then I judge other things, too. I judge people who are super flaky. Now, I'm a little bit flaky. I, I know this. Some of you are recipients of that. But if you're super flaky, oh, I mean, I, I judge. And I judge you if you're unkind. If you're not kind to, to, to people, especially service workers, I judge you. If you are a bad driver, I judge you. And I am unrepentant about that. Now, listen, outside of the driving one, I think judgment is okay in these situations because it helps me to know what boundaries I need in my own life. It helps me to see maybe who I want to learn from, who I want to keep around, and maybe who I don't need to spend as much time with. Boundaries are good. Judgments are good. In fact, Jesus judged. I'll read to you about the times that Jesus judged. When we say that Jesus never judged, unfortunately, that's not true because Jesus said things like this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Okay, what about this? He says, woe to you, and he names a couple cities. And he says, for the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. They would have been repented long ago in sackcloth in sack, sack and ashes. Okay, that's another one. How about this one? Pharisees and teachers of the law are experts in the law of Moses, so obey everything they teach you, but don't do as they do. After all, they say one thing and do something else. Jesus judged others. So what do we do with this whole judge not lest ye be judged? When Jesus is judging, when judging is most likely a good thing, when just like me, my guess is that you use judgment to help create boundaries and create your best life. So let's unpack kind of the messiness and the tension around judgment. And I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to look about judgment in our world and then judgment in God's kingdom. Okay, because judgment in our world and judgment in God's kingdom are two incredibly different things. Let's talk about judgment in our world. Judgment in our world, uh, it's very binary. Judgment's always binary. You are right or you are wrong. You are good or you are bad. You are guilty or you are innocent. You are free or you are in chains or you are imprisoned. Now, now, I'm not even going to get into today, I'm not going to get into consequences and consequences of our actions. That's maybe for another part. But I want us to recognize that judgment is always binary. And not only is judgment always binary in our world, in our systems, but judgment is binary and then judgment is punitive, which means if you are on the wrong side of judgment, you will be punished. If you are bad, then you are going to have a consequence. If you are guilty, you are going to be imprisoned. If, if you are, are not free, right? If you are imprisoned, that in itself is a terrible punishment from judgment. So judgment is always binary. It's one way or the other. That's it. Good, bad, right, wrong, innocent, guilty. And then judgment is always punitive, which means there's a punishment that comes with the judgment. You have, dis you have been judged and people have decided that you are unworthy of something and in that unworthiness there is punitive damage now here's the big issue with that and this is the big issue 
We have taken the world's view of judgment, and then we have placed that onto God. And we say, if the world judges this way, then God most likely judges this way. And that manifests itself in our church, it manifests itself in our theology, it manifests itself in our world. One of the ways this happened to me, this was a scarring thing that happened to me. I remember I was about 15 years old. I was, uh, I was at my cousin's church. My cousin went to a really large church in the Midwest, and I was there at his youth group. And there's probably 100 kids there, and I'm there, and I don't know, we're just, I don't know what we were doing. Anyway, this uh, pastor gets up. And the pastor gets up and he says, uh, you know, last month I had to take one of my former students to court. One of my former students committed sexual assault and, and I was there to support him, but I was there for his judgment. And the judge found him guilty and he received three years in prison. And what happened next was that my student fainted right there in the courtroom because that kind of punishment was too much for him to bear. And then the pastor went on and said this. He said, and I just kept thinking about the time when all of our lives will end and we'll stand in that same courtroom and God will be the judge. And if we don't profess Jesus Christ, then we are going to be imprisoned as well, but not for three years, for eternity. Is that what you want? And I sat there and I was scared to death. It was probably one of the 17 times I rededicated my life to Christ. Anybody there with me? Yeah, I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be imprisoned. I don't want to be judged that way by God. And, and what that brought in me was a sense of anxiety. I have anxiety now to get it right because I'm afraid of the punitive judge that is God. God's going to judge me as either right or wrong, good or bad, guilty or innocent. And then if I'm found guilty, if I'm found bad, if I'm found wrong, there's a punishment, imprisonment for eternity right? That's what it's all about. And so see what that does is it creates anxiety. Now it creates anxiety in our religion. So all of a sudden, hey, I don't want to be judged to be on the wrong side. And if I don't want to be judged to be on the wrong side, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I don't include people. I'm going to make sure I never question my scripture. I'm going to make sure I don't deconstruct my faith. I'm going to make sure I don't challenge uh, people and churches and leadership on patriarchy or Me Too or racism or whatever. Because if I do that, I'm going to be judged. And I'm going to be judged in such a way where I'm going to be found bad. And I'm going to be found bad and therefore punished. And so we don't question. In fact, most of uh, people, most, most folks who get upset at our church, are folks who are scared to death. They're scared to death that, that, that if they get it wrong, they're going to be punished, and they're afraid we're getting it wrong. And so they're afraid that we're going to be punished. That's what's going on. Now, this anxiety, this anxiety around judgment, it extends itself. It extends itself outwards into our world, and it extends itself into places like capitalism. So now I'm going to be judged as either successful or a failure. I'm going to be judged as making enough money or not making enough money. I'm going to be judged as someone who is a go-getter and a hustler, or I'm going to be judged as someone who is lazy and ineffective. And so we spend all of our time spinning our wheels because we're afraid of this binary judgment that now makes itself into, cap into capitalism, right? And so I think about even judgments that we make, judgments that don't quite make any sense. Um, the fact that we absolutely will judge an undocumented immigrant who pays, you know, $11 billion in taxes collectively 
but we won't judge the Jeff Bezoses of the world who make billions of dollars and pay nothing. Now, why is that? It's because we've created binary judgments there as well. Oh, they're billionaires. They must be good and therefore something I want to aspire to. I will not judge them even though their, mis their misdeeds are egregious. I will judge this group. This group is facing challenges. In some cases, this group is struggling. In some cases, this group has it harder. And even though they do pay, they pay, they do pay their fair share of taxes, I'm going to judge them and put blame on them because it doesn't look like they're successful. It doesn't look like they've received blessing. And so even our judgment becomes skewed when looking at it through this anxious world view. You see, punitive judgment, binary judgment, it creates anxiety. It creates hurt. And you know the saying, hurt people hurt people. Anxious people will bring that anxiety to others. That's just what will happen. And so this is why we're, we, we are so quick to cancel others as well. And, and sometimes for good reason, right? Sometimes it's like, okay, we need to sit out. But other times it's like, oh, I'm going to cancel this person because it's easy for me to enact judgment and make a punitive decision against them than it is for me to interact with what's actually going on in their lives and in my life and in the world. Punitive judgment, the judgment of our world creates anxiety and hurt in us. And therefore, when we judge others, we judge others with hurt and anxiety. And I'm going to say this, not only do we judge others with that hurt and anxiety, not only do we punish others, we are the harshest judges of ourselves. We are so hard on ourselves. We judge ourselves constantly. I am not good enough. I am on the wrong side of success. I am not in a relationship, therefore I'm in a I'm a failure. I'm not a good parent. This person's doing it better. I don't have as much as this other person. And we start to judge ourselves over and over. And we are our harshest critics. We save the most punishment for ourselves. We self-sabotage ourselves. And I can tell you this because I do it to me all of the time. This is ridiculous. This isn't the kind of judgment that is talked about in Scripture. In fact, when Jesus is judging in Scripture, are you ready? Because this is going to get a little confusing. When Jesus is judging in Scripture, he's actually judging those who are judging others in this punitive, binary way. All right, does that make sense? When Jesus is judging in Scripture, Jesus is judging those who are judging others in the punitive and binary way of the world. I know that's, that's a lot. So Jesus sees people who, instead of actually loving and serving and caring for others, simply believe the right things, and Jesus brings judgment upon them. And then Jesus sees people who have received blessing and received good things, but haven't given that blessing to others, and Jesus judges them for that. And then Jesus sees people who have been considered good or have been considered innocent, who have been considered right, and he sees them inflicting punishment on those who, who have been considered wrong or bad or whatever, and Jesus judges them. This human idea of judgment is not part of the kingdom of heaven. It's not. So what does judgment in the kingdom of heaven look like? Well, I'm going to tell you. Judgment in the kingdom of heaven is always restorative. So when Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged, Jesus isn't saying, don't ever judge. Jesus is saying, 
when we judge, it should always be through the lens of restoration, starting with us, right? Because then Jesus goes on to say, you know, take the, take the plank out of your own eye before you point to the speck in somebody else's eye. Start with your own restoration. Because judgment in my kingdom is never about punishment. It's never binary. It's all about restoring us back to what God intended us to be. It's always restoring and reconciling humanity back to their relationship with God. In fact, judgment is always about restoring relationship. Even at our most cellular level, we are made for relationship. You know, particles, and I talk about this so often because I love it. You know, particles, we have, we're made up of hundreds of billions of billions of particles. Particles at our very base, at our very being, operate in relationship. They do different things based on what the particles next to them are doing. It's almost like we are designed to always be in restorative relationship. Hmm, interesting, right? And so when we're judging, God's saying, I'm not judging you to punish you. My judgment is always about restoration and bringing us back into full relationship with one another. That's what it looks like, which means we name sin as sin and we repent of sin. Now those feel like scary words because they've been used against us so often. But sin is basically saying, hey, are there times that I've gotten in the way of bringing God's kingdom to this place? Oh, yes, there are plenty of times we've all gotten in the way of bringing God's kingdom to this place. And repentance just means then change your mind. Then work towards restoration instead of working towards punishment. And so what does that look like? Well, I remember there was a time uh, that a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who goes to our church said, uh, oh, I'm so glad this church is non-judgmental. And I'm glad this church is non-judgmental because it means I can do. And then they named this thing that most of us would agree is probably not the best for our lives. Probably not the best for relationships. Not a good idea. And I said to my friend, I said, well, listen, judgment in the way that you're thinking about it, you're right. We're not going to judge you that way. You're not in danger of going to hell. You're not in danger of punishment. You're not in danger of being seen as a failure. God is not sitting there like keeping tallies of what you're up to, getting ready to imprison you for the rest of your life. You're right. There is not that kind of judgment. But then I said to my friend, I said, but I got to ask you, is this thing that you're talking about? Is it making you a better friend? Is it making you selfless towards others? Are you enacting justice when justice is needed? Or is it making you selfish? Is it hurting your relationships? Is it hurting other people? Are other people exasperated by this action? And when people bring this action up, do you get defensive? Do you shut down the conversation? If that's so, maybe you're not living your best self. And maybe you're not living in relationship with others in ways that bring out the best in others. And if that's the case, then judgment isn't about being punished by that. Judgment is saying, let's work together in relationship with God to restore that back to the fullness of humanity. And we know that takes time, and we know that takes practice, we know that's a difficult thing to do, but it's where we start. Do we see the difference? Do we see that judgment in the human world is about, you're wrong and I punish you? Judgment in God's kingdom is about, we're all going to get it wrong. There is no condemnation. Instead, there is only restoration and reconciliation back to relationship. And that is the way we judge others. That is the way we do it in the kingdom. That's the way we do it in our church. That's the way we do it for ourselves. Instead of saying, self, I deserve punishment. I'm bad. I'm not good. We say, self, 
Yeah, there are times when I'm not getting it right. But the only thing that God wants for me is for me to be restored back to God's kingdom. That's it. There's no punishment. The only thing that God wants for me is for me to be in right relationship with others. That's it. And then when we look at our, uh, you know, hot button topics, I think about this often. Let's take the LGBTQIA community again. People are like, well, I've been, I've been judged for being gay. Well, let me ask you, in you being judged for being gay, are you hurting God's kingdom? Are you being selfish? Are you hurting others? You know, are you being defensive? No, it's simply who you are. And so it's simply, if, if that's simply who you are, then why would there be any judgment against you, right? This is where I don't quite understand judgment in the church today. We're working on it. We're working on it. Judgment's always restorative. Judgment's always reconciling others back into relationship because we are just made for relationship. And when we are able to do those things, we are ushering in the kingdom of heaven. And so if we're going to be kind to ourselves and not judge ourselves, and when judgment is needed against others, well, how do we do this? And today I want to leave you with one thing. One thing that I want you to do, and there's a bunch of things we can do, but this is one thing I want us to do. When we judge others, let's work through restoration and reconciliation. And that starts by believing the best in others. Believing the best. Um, you know, when somebody wrongs us, it's hard to believe the best about them. It's hard to do that. There's a, uh, this past week, <laughs> I'm just going to blow myself up. This past, this past week, I was giving books to some of our staff members. I was buying them books. And I was doing it quickly. Like I felt like I, I needed to rush through the process because there was a thousand things I'm trying to get done. And I wanted to give some of our staff members books that um, helped me or greatly affected me in my pastoring process. And so I'm buying books from Mackenzie and I quickly like go in my library, click on the link and like you can gift a book. So then I quickly just gift a couple books, get them sent out. And uh, Mackenzie texts me a couple days later and she's like, hey, thanks for the books. Um, what books did you want me to read again? And I was in the middle of something, so I quickly go back to my orders and I say, hey, I order these two books for you. I'm not really thinking about it. And she goes, is there any reason you want me to read this particular book? And this particular book was basically all about how being gay is a sin and how if we believe in the power of God, then we can overcome our homosexuality. And I was mortified. Mortified! Because what I, end up, what I ended up doing was when I buy books, a lot of times I'll buy books with different stances just to see ways in which I need to preach or ways in which I need to think about uh, issues. And so I bought these two books together. One was, uh, one was you know, uh, affirming and inclusive and the other was not. And in my speed, in my haste, I clicked on the non-inclusive one and sent it to Mackenzie. And I was like, oh my God, this is not the book she needs to read right now. Not at the start of her pastoring. And so I wrote back and I was like, I am so sorry. I blew it. And she wrote back and she's like, I'm laughing about it. And she's like, you know, at first I was angry. Like, why would Jonathan send this to me? Jonathan's kind of a jerk. And then she was like, I decided to practice believing the best in you. And when I decided to practice believing the best in you, I was like, no, he had to have made a mistake. And in doing so, it changed the way I started asking you questions. And I was like, oh my God, thank you for practicing that kind of judgment upon me. And I am sorry for making that mistake. I'm glad she believed the best. And that's what believing the best is. It's starting by saying, hey, this person, if I'm in relationship with them, then they have my best interest in mind. 
If I'm in relationship with them, then we have a common goal. If I'm in relationship with them, especially at this church, then we both want to see justice served. We both want to see it worked out. You see, when we believe the best in others, we believe this, and I'm going to read it because it's so important. We believe that God is always in the business of restoration. We believe that judgment is not binary. We believe it doesn't mean you're in or you're out. It means that you are loved so much that you are always in. You are always loved and in a place where you get to usher the peace that God intends. You are loved so much that God wants nothing more for you, to, uh, nothing more for you than to actually live in freedom and actually live without fear and anxiety around God. And in doing so, it means we believe, we believe that we take responsibility, responsibility in our own lives and in our own misgivings. And we believe that in taking responsibility for ourselves, we believe the best in others. And so judgment's a good thing. It's a good thing in God's kingdom. We're not talking about punitive judgment. We're not talking about you know, judgment where there's punishment. We're talking about judgment that always believes the best in another. That always starts with love. That takes out all that anxiety. That takes out all that fear. That takes out the fear of punishment. And instead says our only goal is to reconcile one another in relationship. That's it. Our only goal is to be more like the judges in the time of Jesus. Right? Judges in the time of Jesus. McLaren says this. The word in the Bible for putting things right is judgment. Unfortunately, many today, drawing from a concept of a judge in today's court system, understand judgment to mean nothing more than condemnation and punishment. In contrast, in biblical times, good judges did more than condemn or punished. Good judges worked to set things right, to restore balance and harmony and well-being, and their justice was restorative and not punitive. And the final goal of judgment was to curtail or convert all that was evil so that good would be free to run wild. As we judge ourselves, as we judge others, know that it's good. Know that, you know, judge not lest ye be judged. I get it. We wear that as an armor sometimes. But what if we said, hey, my judgment is to always make sure that good would be free to run wild. And so may it be that way for us today. We're going to go into a time of prayer right now. We're going to go into a time of prayer where I want you to give your prayer requests. Maybe you have a prayer request where, where you have judged someone punitively, where you've, you've told them they're not worthy, or you've, you've worked to punish them. Or maybe you're doing that to yourself right now. Then I want you to, to post in the comment section. Post in your comment section. We're praying for you. Maybe you're in a place where somebody's doing something to hurt themselves, to hurt others, and you want to see that person restored. If that's the case, put it in the comment section. We're praying for you. We're praying for others. And I'm going to start by praying this prayer for us right now as we go into this time. Will you bow your heads and will you pray with me? God, we pray that we would bring blessing to others as you bring blessing to us. God, we pray that you would always show us that we are worthy of blessing. God, we pray that you would allow us to believe that we are worthy of blessing. God, give us the courage to judge others and bring restoration and reconciliation to others. Pray that we would affirm others instead of punish. Pray that we would love deeply instead of hurt. 
And God, we pray over and over that we would keep your eye and your perspective. And when we're not able, God, allow us to hear your voice that says that we are truly, truly loved. And God, allow us to hear your voice that says that you are unbothered and unhurried and unpressured by us. God, help us to believe that you want nothing more than beauty, reconciliation, relationship. And to that we say, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.